oh, how's that fucking Jamie guy? Ah, uh, yes, I hate to be the one to tell you, but he died. You're still listening. This is our final transmission. We're here, Jamie, and you're next. That's very threatening for the start of the show. It is, sorry. It's the name of the movie. The movie that we're covering today is called You're Next. It wasn't a threat. You're not next. You're not even next for anything good. I'm sorry. You're Next is the name of the movie. So it's a 2011 movie. It's rated R. It's one hour, 35 minutes, and Jamie likes it. I hope you like it too, Sam, but I guess we'll find out. Yeah, I, I watched it. And I had some uh, had some thoughts for you. Okay. I'm not going to tell you if I liked it or not. I want to be uh, mysterious and evasive. But I tell you what definitely happened is I found it and I watched it. And it was hard to find and fun to watch. It wasn't that so hard to find. Much. I found it on Amazon and paid three ninety nine and then watched it. Oh, good for you. La-di-da. You and Jeff Bezos. Why don't you kiss him? Why don't you, Jamie, tell us a little bit about how you came across... The 2011 movie. I'm going to say slasher. Is that allowed? It deals in a lot of slasher tropes purposefully. So I mm. would, I think you wouldn't be wrong to call it a slasher. It's more, I think, more fundamentally a home invasion film. But who's, who's fucking counting, Sam? Yeah, what does that make Home Alone? Is it a home invasion movie? Yeah. Or a Christmas movie? I mean, it could be both. Home invasions can happen on Christmas. Okay, well, this is the home alone of slashers, in my opinion. Well, and I'm going to stick by that opinion. I disagree with you there. Okay. Is it because there is a home alone? Of slashers, yeah. There literally is. Oh, okay. I thought there would be. There's like, there's like a movie. It's like Saw, but the Saw guy comes into your house and sets loads of traps. Wow. Okay. I like that. He specifically sets loads of traps to capture what's a maim, this guy that's breaking into the house. Or in fact, maybe he sets loads of traps to capture the people that live in the house, but a guy also breaks in. I don't know. I don't remember. It's called The Collector. It's fine. Is it on the list? Uh, it might be on the list. Well, that's a tease. But you're next. I think I saw this sort of, as it came out, really. came out in the UK in 2013. So it was made in 2011, was shown at a couple of fest uh, film festivals in 2011, bought by Lionsgate, mm -hmm. shoved on a shelf for two years. There was, there was a big Lionsgate merger that was happening around that time. So another company merged with Lionsgate and there was a big leadership change. And it sort of got lost in the shuffle for a bit and mm -hmm. sort of put on the back burner. Then it comes out in 2013. And pretty much, I think everybody loves it. I certainly like it yeah, a lot. Yeah, it's a fan favorite. Spoiler alert. Does everyone love Adam Wingard? Because I am very impressed by some of his, well, just impressed by his career, I guess. Director Adam Wingard, by the way, peeps. I think so. Obviously, people have strong opinions on some things that he made. Obviously, he made a Blair Witch sequel, which we mm. could maybe touch on next week when we talk about Blair Witch 2, Book of Shadows. Fingers crossed. He directed The Guest, which I think everybody loves. Mm -hmm. But he directed Death Note, which again, is, is pretty divisive. I haven't seen it. I don't, I don't care about Death Note. Do you know what I mean? What about Godzilla versus Kong, dude? 2021's Godzilla versus Kong. I don't think Kong. I saw Godzilla versus Kong. I don't think there's I, just, I don't think there's time in my life for American Godzilla movies. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. There's too many great Japanese ones. Literally. But also, why the fuck can't 
Hollywood get it right even just once? How hard is it? You've got all that source material. You've got all the money in the world. Why can't you just make one good Godzilla movie that's worth our fucking time? I quite enjoyed... I mean, it's not a Godzilla movie, obviously, but all the Kong movies are garbage too. I enjoyed Kong Skull Island. I'll give that some points. Yeah, I quite like Kong Skull Island. I like that it messes with those sort of Vietnam movie tropes. Mm. I've got the board game of Kong Skull Island and it's pretty good. Whoa, no way. That sounds amazing. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, I just I think the reason that America, Hollywood, can't make a good Godzilla movie is because they don't have the relationship to it. Obviously, Godzilla is a story of Western imperialism and war and nuclear mm. bombage and shit. Like, America, they don't care. The, ne- the, the nearest thing that America got to a good Godzilla movie is Cloverfield, and that's because it's about 9-11. Cloverfield does rip. Yeah. I enjoyed all of those Cloverfield movies. The fucking, what's the one with uh, John Goodman in it? That's brilliant. Cloverfield Paradox. 12 Cloverfield Lane, 10 Cloverfield 12 Lane. Cloverfield Lane, that was banging. Yeah. I hung on every second of that. That was brilliant. Cloverfield Paradox, I thought, was a little bit wishy-washy, but it was still fun. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. I mean, I think I think America needs to up its fucking game vis-a-vis Godzilla. Uh, maybe we need a maybe we need Richard Donner's Godzilla next, or Adam Adam Wingard and Richard Donner team up to make Godzilla. I I just don't think America can do it. Yeah, we'd like to give them the benefit of the doubt, but they they just don't have the cojones, the chops, the cojones, the level of oppression required. Yeah, they had a little bit of that sort of oppression goodwill in the afterglow of nine eleven. But when you take that away from them, they're just a bunch of fucking Americans, aren't they? What do you think? What do you think Hollywood does best? If they if they're not Cocaine. very good at writing, <laughs> yeah, true. They do a whole lot. Of, we talked a lot about cocaine lately. I think, I mean, love stories, yeah, rags to riches tales. All of it's propaganda. <laughs> it's all American propaganda. But yeah, yeah. If we can, if we can reach a consensus, they're not very good at movies that have deep subtexts about you know invasion and oppression i guess they're getting better at that but like what do they really knock out the park for us stories about isolation i think they do some pretty Mm. good stories about people being isolated in various situations or isolated i think they do good horror films true speaking of horror films (laughs) yeah let's get this shit back on track (laughs) shut the fuck up sam (laughs) yeah you're next tell me everything uh, so it came out. It was pretty much universally loved. I saw it. I think probably on DVD. Didn't take long to come out on DVD. Mm-hmm. And it's good. <laughs> this has been final transition. See where this is going. <laughs> so I'll give you a synopsis. Do you want to synopsis it? Sure. And then we'll take a break, and we'll come and shoot an arrow right into this film's fucking face. Go on, lad. Your next follows Erin and Crispian, played by a very handsome AJ Bowen. Mm. He just has a very beautiful face, and I'm not saying that for any specific reason, Sam, but he does have a beautiful, (laughs) chubby, round, bearded face with a little button nose. Has anyone ever compared you to AJ Bowen by any chance, Jamie? Uh, I think only myself. Okay, that's fair enough. I guess that's why I think Matthew McConaughey is so fine. You don't see it? No. Maybe like... Anyway, good synopsis. We got really far (laughs) with that one. (laughs) So, Erin and Crispian are visiting 
uh, Crispian's parents for their 35th wedding anniversary. They're played by, first appearance on the podcast, it is Rob Moran, who cares about him, but Barbara Crampton, who is a fucking legend in the genre. Yeah. And also... Overshadowed somewhat. Looks maybe 25 in this movie, despite being in her 50s. Mm-hmm. She is... She looks the same now. She's magical. She, she she looks the same now. Well, maybe not now. She looks the same in this movie as she does in From Beyond. Yeah. Like it's it's bananas what this she must be drinking gallons of baby's blood. Absolutely. She is spending all of her time in the basement of that pizzeria in Washington or whatever. Like it's <laughs> it's magical. But she still looks the same now to this very day. It is it's crazy, right? Yeah. Somewhere there's a picture of her in an attic with a hole in it. It's my attic. Let's, uh, let's quickly pop up to your attic. Let's <laughs> see what else is up there. Oh, my God. Here we go. Spin-off Patreon, Jamie's Attic. <laughs> All the things that are way too rough for Final Transmission, even too rough for the Patreon. We'll have a second one. Jamie's Attic, you're next. <laughs> my attic is converted into a spare bedroom. Sorry. Oh, good for you. Anyway... The synopsis. <laughs> so, Paul and Aubrey, that's Rob Moran and Barbara Crampton, having this wedding mm-hmm. anniversary, and all of these kids, adult children of this couple, all convene on this massive mansion with their partners and girlfriends and wives and husbands and whatnot. And then, all of a sudden, they are besieged by a group of home invaders wearing cattle masks or animal masks but is it a random attack sam or is there something more sinister going on you'll find out when we spoil it after the break holy shit i guess that's why they call it phantom power Jamie. Sam Sam. Final Transmission is brought to you by Red Scare Industries. How do you feel about that? I feel like they are the best punk rock label in Chicago. Is that right? I completely agree. Did I say the right thing? Yeah, well, kind of. Yeah, I think uh, we have a real Wayne's World situation going on here. A word from our sponsor. We love Red Scare. We're big fans. We have a vested interest in the success of their enterprise. But we want to tell you for free that they are legit great. They are very good. They uh, release good records. Some of my all-time favorite records have come out on Red Scare, including Sam Russo Records. So buy them, buy other Red Scare records at redscare.net. Oh, Jamie, I'm back. Uh, uh, Me too. (laughs) Um. (laughs) Wow. So that was a great synopsis. I think we can all agree, fucking nailed it. Yeah. I. So tell me, Sam, don't keep mm-hmm. me in suspense any longer. Okay. Did you like this movie? Yeah, it was really fucking good. Yeah. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. It's just, I, I knew straight away that I wasn't in for one of those Final Transmission movie episodes where I'm sent flying all over the map or I'm shocked out of my skin or my mind is blown because I didn't know you could do that in Italy. I just, I just knew very early on I was in for like a nice balance of thriller maybe some slasher stuff home invasion not necessarily 
my favorite genre but i love when it's interesting when mm. something sets it apart i think a lot of those later purge movies just bored my asshole out my earlobe and i think movies like this do the polar opposite keep me hanging on some great stuff in this film so i'm, I'm pumped to talk about it i did really enjoy it you'll be pleased to know good 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 i'm glad i mean you may be surprised to hear this sam and also listeners but i do like this film so excellent you were playing coy the whole time i was keeping my cards close to my chest yeah this is a this would fucking this movie would make snoopy bark it gets my dick racing it's good fun so why don't we talk a little bit we talked a little bit about some of these headline cast members we got a snops down i feel like it's really important that i ask this question why the fuck should anyone who hasn't seen this movie who's listening to this podcast watch another home invasion movie what makes this so special well, if we're going to do like a non-spoilery five-minute chat for people to tell them that they should watch this film if they haven't already. Yeah, we could try. We could try that. We've never done that before. So we normally get yeah, right what? in with the fucking butler did it. But like yeah. <laughs> this film, without spoiling it, mm. it's really inventive in the way that it that it plays with slasher tropes, that it plays with home invasion tropes, that it develops a sort of Agatha Christie locked door uh, whodunit style mystery set in a big manor house. Like it's all hits all of those tropes. It's just really fun. Yeah. It's full of gore. It's really inventive. Characters make some really fucking terrible decisions. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at you woman that runs headfirst into the door. (laughs) <laughs> so good there's so much comedy in it as well yeah. again like spoiler free you're gonna laugh at particularly at one dude and i'm gonna let myself down here big time jamie i can't remember who the funny guy is i the characters blend together a little bit for me in this so help me out who's the funny guy uh do you think do you mean drake the guy that gets sh- shot in the back with the arrow yeah, yeah, he's really good in this in terms of like bringing a little bit of light comedy, some very over the top stuff. Uh, you're going to laugh. You're going to. I think it steps just outside of slasher tropes enough to keep slasher fans in. Yeah. It doesn't move too far away from the home invasion stuff that you kind of crave from those movies, but it does do something that's interesting enough to keep you hooked throughout. And I got a lot of respect for that because that's, I think that's a hard balance. I mean, yeah. I don't fucking know how you do that as a movie maker, but mm. it it's nailed here. Yeah, it it does have some mega funny bits. Mm. Uh, sometimes you're laughing because you're uncomfortable. Sometimes you're laughing because it's funny. Sometimes yeah. it's it's a mixture of the two and you don't know where you quite stand with it. It's just a real, a real fun time. So go watch it yeah. and then come back and we'll listen to us spoil it. Yeah, so fuck off you lot and for the rest of you. And oh, welcome back. Uh, spoilers I fucking love the shit with the crossbow yeah. so cool so bef- before we get to that there was the, there's a, a bit quite early on which yeah. which I found so funny uh, and Go I on. wanted to dig into it a little bit so when they're at the table so obviously Aaron and Crispian have come to this manor and then Crispian's brother Drake has come and his sister whose name I don't know Kelly, Kelly. Amy mm. one of them Kelly, Amy, Z, somebody. <laughs> well, I know it's not Z because she's the the gothy one. Oh, yeah, good point, yeah. But she's come with her partner who is uh, Tyreek. So Drake is played by Joe Swanberg who is a like an, an indie film director and Tyreek is played by Ty West 
who made Maxine and X and House of the Devil and a bunch mm-hmm. and Cabin Fever 2, which I fucking love. And they have this conversation about like underground film festivals where where it's like, what does it mean that they show the films underground? And I and, and I they I believe, I I have to believe that's based on like a real conversation that one of them's had <laughs> with yeah. like their family members or something about like how adverts are the real cinematic thing now or whatever i I have to believe that that's real it's pulled out of some horrible like you're on a date you go to someone's parents house or something their parent oh you're an underground filmmaker what is that you know it's it's too close to real life to just be a skit Mm. but they they do so well in that scene it's funny at the right time and in the right way for the movie which is key right we talked a lot in hatchet about how Technically, this is funny, but it's missing by a mile. Yeah. This is the opposite. Everything is like whip crack, super tight, and put in exactly the right places. It's it's made by someone who knows their way around a gag. Yeah, absolutely. The um in Hatchet, you know it's meant to be funny because the timing is there. It's it yeah. it tells the jokes in sort of joke timing. Whereas yeah. this is like I mean, I th- I think maybe in that scene the performances are a little bit wonky for me. Obviously, these aren't storied actors they are i mean aj bowen has been in a load of movies and like they've all been in a bunch of movies but like primarily they're not actors it's a low budget film it's Mm. you maybe don't have the capacity to drag fucking leaving las vegas out of these people but like they still hit the comedy timing or the comedy elements of it really well yeah for sure the performances are a little bit okay but then performances sort of end at that point the, the movie the characters sort of end at that point apart from the main gal erin yeah it, it becomes there's a there's a you know a crossbow bolt gets fired and it's a fight from then onwards yeah. and I, I i honestly thought to myself while i was watching this like why aren't i more dismissive of these performances why isn't this like trashy to me and i think it's because they actually work perfectly for the movie itself. Yeah. You know, if you're if you're a fucking if old Ebert's sitting there with his dick in his hand trying to, you know, critique this, he's probably slagging off the acting like you wouldn't believe. But I thought it it was an absolute bullseye for the film itself. Yeah. I haven't read uh, Roger Ebert's review, but I did read a review that was on RogerEbert.com by a different person. And they oh, yeah? they gave it all kinds of hell. I bet they fucking did. Like they were his minions. Yeah, they they were basically saying that it's like there's there's nothing original or interesting about it. And I think the fact that there's nothing original, but the way that it sort of deconstructs that the things that aren't original and does does some new interesting things with them, I think that's noteworthy in itself. The fact that yeah, like I... in slasher movies, especially your final girl, she's not a badass. Usually, mm-hmm. she's a, a the character that last long enough to figure out how to take the the fucking killer out at the end mm-hmm. and that's that's it it's it's pure happenstance whereas erin in this she is a badass from day one yeah it, it's crazy to me that an ebert critic didn't get a horror movie right they missed the point wow that never happens fuck those guys this the whole the crux of this movie is exactly what you just said the quote-unquote final girl kicks fuck out of these guys kills a bunch of people and does so like the antagonist of most slasher movies literally that is sick yeah that's such a great angle and what i love 
And I guess I, I actually fucking hate the term badass. I'm going to try not to use it if I can avoid it. But the best thing to me is that she's not painted out like a like like that. She, to me, she's like she's more of an action hero. Yeah, <laughs> she's fully going for it. And there's there's all the gore you would want and expect from that situation. It feels like a revenge kill movie as much as it feels like a survival movie. It just dances around that final girl trope in all the right ways and turns the the fucking the last survivor into an icon. It's fucking cool as shit. Yeah. I completely well agree. Played, team. I think like obviously we've seen strong female characters in horror mm. films like this. But like the, the those names that get thrown around, it's like Ripley, but Ripley doesn't mm. know how to fucking deal with the alien from the minute the film starts. Like she has no. to develop and learn and grow whereas Erin's mm. already had all of that. Like Yeah. Barbara in fucking Night Living Dead 90, again, yeah. needed to have that snap inside her in order to do it. Mm. Whereas Erin, again, could just, she just knew it intrinsically. She didn't dress yeah. in, she's not Lara Croft. She doesn't dress in like camo or anything. It's just like, she's just a woman who happens to know how to fucking rig up a sledgehammer to smash you in the face when you open the door this is my main criticism of the film by the way go on i waited you wait for so long for the payoff of her putting that sledgehammer up there mm. and then when you finally get it I, I i every time someone's like walking towards the house i'm like fuck yeah this is it now we're gonna get <laughs> it go. it's like yeah. when i first watched it i was like well Crispian's the good guy. He's run off to get help. So when he comes back with help, he's going to get the fucking mallet in the face. Obviously, yeah. it doesn't work out like that. But yeah, so when it finally happens, doesn't you don't get to see it. It just cuts to the end of the film and that's it, over. And that's my biggest criticism with this is that you don't get to see someone hit in the face with a big fucking sledgehammer. And it's a cop. Yeah, it, like, come on now. It, I know, right? I was feeling for you the whole way through that one. <laughs> If you've got a sledgehammer rigged up to swing down through a doorway and brain a cop, I want it to see it hitting a sack of lasagna. I want to yeah. see like fucking full detonation. My my only my only major noteworthy let's not waste time on criticisms criticism of this movie is the last 10 seconds is the worst bit of the movie. Everything else absolute fucking chef's kiss slasher home invasion loveliness yeah a weirdly comforting movie to me i don't know why i had it on and i was like vicariously really enjoying all the fucking carnage the right level of humor it just it hit me at the right time maybe but yeah that for the last 10 seconds nah not for me but fuck me like how, how much of a criticism is that barely even a criticism yeah i mean like i say it does impact it slightly but like you're a cop in that situation you're looking through the window Mm. You see a woman stabbing a guy and there's loads of dead bodies around. You probably would assume that she is the bad guy. I don't think you're supposed to, though. I think you're supposed to say, you announce, you announce your presence and you, sh you shout freeze, right? She doesn't have a projectile weapon. She's a, a lone female just standing there. She's already killed a guy. Like I think you're supposed to be like, hey, freeze. But he just fucking shoots her. In the back, yeah. Awkward. Awkward little end scene there. It was weirdly pitched because I kind of felt like I was supposed to know the cop. My first thought was like, oh, is the cop in on this? Did someone ring a cop and did I just miss something? But no, there was a strange sort of implied familiarity there that yeah, I didn't love. However, 
some of the creepy crawly slashery stuff where you know these these antagonists these home invaders these paid assassins are creeping around the house trying to sort of slowly come up on our our victims was some of the stuff that didn't work quite as well for me because the explosive assaults on the on the people are are what really got me and caught my attention because I haven't seen a slashery home invasion movie where these guys are popping off crossbows through windows, just yeah. nailing people at a dinner party. That was fucking cool. Yeah, I think like a, a crossbow or any sort of projectile fl- flying through the window and killing me is one of my sort of most primal fears. Yeah, it makes me scared of windows. Yeah, like just the idea that you could have no idea what's happened and why you're dead. <laughs> Yeah, you could you could have like maybe three seconds of life draining out of you, and be like, "What the fuck is this?" And you were just standing at the window, but you weren't even weren't even standing at the window. You're just in a room. Next thing, yeah. you're dead, and you can't see why. Like technically, probably the best way to die. I would love it personally, but I think I'm maybe built different. Well, I, I just when it comes like, to that. You die fairly quickly because you've been shot in the head with a gun or an arrow or. I don't know, a fucking really sharp beanbag round or whatever. So you have you have a split second to realise, oh that that hurts. And now you're dead. Well, compare yeah. that to drowning or being burnt alive or I don't know, having the blood slowly. Keep going, Jamie. <laughs> just keep digging that hole. <laughs> I just think that's probably a good way to die. I you you don't have to sell it to me, man. I'm all in. I think if if uh, if I'm dying as a result of a home invasion, take me out with a crossbow bolt from outside, so I don't even know the house is being invaded. Literally, I'd be fucking terrified. No way, bud. Get me the fuck out of there. I'm your prime target. Get rid of me. I'm I'm a problem. I'm mischief. Take me out first. I don't want the fucking sledgehammer to the face. I don't want to fucking. I don't want to deal with being strangled or stabbed. I want to. Plus, crossbows are cool. Yeah. Imagine someone being like, oh, how's that fucking Jamie guy? Ah, uh, yes. I hate to be the one to tell you, but he died. Oh, no. What happened? Is it what I think it was? Probably not, mate. He got shot in the head with a crossbow through a window during a home invasion. I'm sorry, what? You become the coolest guy that guy knows, especially the coolest dead guy. Yeah, we've come a long way since I accidentally crossbowed all my cats and cars. <laughs> I think about that kind of thing a lot, to be honest. Like, I'm a kind of a. I spent a long, long time in the get rich quick section of my brain, that little lobe at the back that's like, who do I have to kill to get a million pounds? <laughs> you know, like, we've had a lot of talks about this in the van that we can't go into on the podcast. Yeah. But there's not a lot I wouldn't do for that sum of money. And I have given consideration to murdering some rich friends. I'll, I'll leave it there. You've got a lot of winner, mate, right? No, he hasn't got any money left. Uh, if if you care to Google it and look at the tabloid articles, he lost nearly all of it. I also know another guy who won the lottery and doesn't have any of it left. Uh, it's it's a rough a rough tale. Maybe for another time. Yeah. But let me tell you. Well, so like there's there's people I would kill for money. I've I know a guy that won the lottery and doesn't have any of it left, but he didn't fall off a cliff. He didn't get his head kicked off by a horse. <laughs> yeah. That's how I would do it. I decided I would go to where he has all these. He bought all these like thoroughbred horses, like fucking race horses and shit. I would just like walk him out in the stable one day, decapitate him, and say one of the horses kicked it off while I watched. <laughs> and then, and I'd obviously quickly adjust the will before that happened. Yeah. So speaking of quickly adjusting the will, how quickly do you think you could write your next in blood on a window? 
Great question. Good scene, improbable. It's very dry. Uh, but again, it's one of those great slasher tropes that we just drink in in the moment, yeah. right? A message on a mirror. Oh, fuck, you're dead. Like, that's that's great. Love that. Corn syrup, blood, thick as fuck. Like, just fake it till you make it, boys. This is a low-budget movie that, that I think plays with the budget really well. Yeah. I think they know that the blood doesn't look great. They know that a lot of this action is a little bit, you know, cut away, cut back, and it's it's puzzle pieced together. But the, I was going to ask you, did did this feel low budget to you? Because honestly, to me, it didn't. Like once you get out of that scene where it's like, okay, here are all the characters. Now let's move on. It doesn't feel low budget to me at all. I think mm. because like the horror genre, the budgets are never massive anyway. True. So even like the biggest budget horror film, well, maybe not the biggest budget horror film, but like most horror films are, are in the sort of, three to 15 million margin and this Mm -hmm. is made for what like one two i don't know i'd be amazed if it's even a mill but it it doesn't feel any less than any other horror movie of this time at least Mm -hmm. i think what really sets it apart in terms of giving you that feeling that money's gone into this the color work is fucking great yeah the grading there's none of that like yeah you know when you watch uh when you watch like a Saw movie, you kind of feel like you're watching some semi-prestige horror because it's established and you know there's a bit of money behind it. But they'll fuck it up with, you know, five minutes of just nothing nothing but yellow or like five minutes of just completely blue as fuck. And I know it's a stylistic choice, but it reeks of no, like a lack of artistry in the color department. And this does the polar opposite. I think it works really hard to to warm things up, to give it this uniform kind of, sort of semi-monotonous brown that really lulls you into you know that sort of sleepy kind of old-fashioned house kind of vibe and then you've just got really beautiful work on everyone's clothes all the, all the textures in the movie are brilliant like there's a lot of brick and tile mm. and all the clothing is quite like thick and chunky and everything just feels quite comfortable and then when the carnage kicks off some of the like focus pulls and some of the stuff that's really soft in the foreground just really really works i think it's cinematographically pretty fucking top tier yeah i agree i think there are some really interesting shot choices and editing choices as well so like yeah quite early on it um does this thing where it like juxtaposes like extreme mundane things in like really really tight close-up like mm. it's it's sort of a thing that that uh, darren aronofsky would do quite a lot in pie and then he uses it a bit weird in um Record for a Dream, where it's like the drug sequences are like those sort of super sure. close, close up bits. But I, f- I feel like it develops a real sense of foreboding here because it's like, why am I looking at someone pouring orange juice like this intensely? Like, why is that interesting? Yeah. And it's because, like, in five minutes, you're dead. And right now, you have no idea. You're just living your life. It's like, it's really interesting like cinematic misdirection i think yeah it's really foreboding to watch isn't it it's it's that constant feeling of oh god why am i being shown this yeah and your mind goes to literal places like oh you're gonna get killed with a fucking glass or you know whatever it is i think the real artistry there is is like you said it's the misdirection it's the it's the pure visual fun of showing you something that mundane before something that is anything but i think it's really cool yeah i think so too i think the moment that I knew that when I first watched this, that this was a film that would really speak to me mm. is Tariq's been shot in the face with the arrow, in the throat with the mm-hmm. arrow, and then 
Drake's been shot in the back with an arrow and he's been pep talked back to okay, he's had some some strong painkillers and now he's mm-hmm. okay. Your gal has run top speed into a piece of razor wire and cut her throat open. Yeah. And like, okay, like I'm in on all of this, but like the re- the moment when I was like, oh my god, I this is this film is singing to me, is when mm. a couple of characters go outside and they duck under the the rope, and Drake catches yeah. the arrow on it, and it's just yeah. like like you feel it, like it absolutely just like it happens to you. Twang. One of the one of the really magical things about this is that every single blow lands in a way that feels super cinematic but also really like it connects every impact has a real connection so it's mm-hmm. like when she's like wailing on that guy with the meat tenderizer Oof. like it, you could always feel like when you bang your head and your nose feels all full of blood like you almost get yeah. that feeling when you're watching it it's so clever the way that it's edited the way that the sound works the foley the way that yeah. the, the the performances really sell those moments. It's just fucking great. Yeah, I don't feel like they overreach with the violence. Everything's achievable within a tight budget. Everything looks wholly convincing and really graphic. And and like you said, the Foley work, when she smack When you think about like the guys who are putting together these sounds or the people that are putting together these sounds, they're sitting there and they're going, this skull is being smashed inside a thick rubber mask. What's that going to sound like? And then they fucking make it like pure movie magic it's great and they also do a, a pretty good job in my opinion of you know in movies whenever anyone's pulling out an arrow or like but there's a bit where she pulls that glass out of her i think people overdo it and they make all these insane squelching sounds and stuff i feel like this was just about right like i i felt like of course it's exaggerated because that doesn't actually make a sound in real life but the the level of sickening kind of squelchy noise that it goes to felt like, right, yeah, that's exactly right. It just feels really measured yeah. for a movie that's so fucking over the top. I feel like the only kill that doesn't sit right with me is the, is the blender. Really? Like, I, I love it. I think it's fucking great. But Kay. it doesn't feel maybe earned as much as the rest of them. Curious. I felt like the blender kill... By the way, I'm assuming you've seen this, but she smashes this guy in the head with a blender that has a glass thing on top. Jug. And and then jug, thank you very much, jug expert, resident. And then he, she, when the, the blades are rammed into his head, she plugs it in and turns it on and it blends his brains. I thought that was a perfect escalation from everything else in the movie. It felt like the big payoff kill. And I thought you would have been howling at that. What, what, were, what were your thoughts? I mean, I, I am howling. I just It just doesn't feel as real. It doesn't. It doesn't land. Yeah, it's, yeah. I, I've been hit in the sense. head with a, a bit of wood or whatever, so I know roughly what being hit in the head with a meat tenderizer feels like. I've been. Right. I don't know. <laughs> That's a fucking stretch, bud. I mean, but I'll, I'll let you have it. It's, it is a stretch. Like, I've stubbed my toe. I know what it feels like to be eviscerated. <laughs> Do you know what I mean, though? Like, yeah, I got you. I've never had a, a major organ. The ma- the the major organ. Your penis. Yes, I've never had it blended. Despite how it looks, um, <laughs> despite the rumors, yeah. Despite the fact it is a fucking spilt milkshake down there, um, it's the a strawberry chewed up. What's it? Yeah, it's it's hard work to sell a blender kill. I've never seen someone have their brains blended by a you know a home fucking soup blender. So yeah. I see what you're saying. It it does take a step into 
silly silly goose death territory that maybe is a departure from some of the other kills i think yeah i totally see that i think i was having so much fun i was in a frothing frenzy when that happened i just fucking took it yeah i think you can't kill someone with a blender and have people take it seriously you can't have any credibility once you kill someone with a blender like, think about the big blender kills in i want to say in cinema but like it's only in horror films because no one's killing people with a blender in fucking lassie <laughs> like you've got unfriended which is great i love that kill the movie's whatever but like right. that kill is fun don't know why the guy's mm-hmm. a blender next to his computer so you can see it from the webcam no who cares Again, not earned. For protein shakes. No. For those guys who just drink protein shakes at their desk. Yeah. Gremlins. Yeah. Big one. Big hit. Big hit. Brain dead or dead alive. Have you seen? Mm-hmm. Okay, good. Yeah. So hate it. Yeah, carry on. You hate it? Yeah. What? Have we not discussed this? Why would you hate it? I can't stand it. We'll come back to it. I can't talk about it now. I feel we'll like I'm going to put it on the list because I need to know. Oh, fucking hell. All right, fine. Jesus Christ. I think you think you hate it, and then you'll watch it, and you'll love it. Fine. Um, But there's a bit where the zombie baby, she tries to put it in the blender, and it jumps out of the blender, and she punches it, and then it hits the guy in the nuts. Mm-hmm. And then later, she like blends that half a guy's head. Yeah. And I've got a memory, and I couldn't remember what film this was from, of like mm. someone really boredly blending zombie body parts in a really with a really bored look on their eye look on their face huh just like oh i've got to get rid of all these body parts and they're just like blending them yeah my mind went straight to like the wood chipper in fargo mm. i thought of that and then my my favorite blender scene is not a graphic blender scene it's when the fratellis are threatening chunk by putting his hand in a blender it's fucking terrifying yeah blenders are frightening blenders <sighs> Blenders. I'm a little bit scared every time I use my fucking blender. It's fierce. I rarely use the blender part of my blender. I normally use the food processor. Oh, all right. Fucking casual. Another casual household flex from Jamie. (laughs) Which wing of the mansion is this blender in? It's in the kitchen, Sam. Oh, which one? Yeah, no, I I hear you. Are you allowed to use it or is it just the butler who uses the the blender? (laughs) No blenders allowed in the brain is the is the bottom line here. And I think yeah. my my blender is so fucking ferocious. If it was anywhere near me as, as a weapon of, uh, you know, if someone's attacking me with a blender, I'm fucking out of there. And this movie confirmed that fear. I liked that scene. I thought it was fucking cool. But you're right. I think in terms of pitch, a little off. Yeah, it, it just it just takes it. I think it does it on purpose. It's, it's a kill that's designed to elicit a laugh. In the same way that, like, the violence in Evil Dead 2 is funny. It's like, mm. or even in Brain Dead, Dead Alive, the comedy is the violence. Yeah. Particularly in that kill. I think sometimes the violence is the comedy in some of the other kills, but in a, in a sort of different way. Like when she doesn't mm. stop hitting the guy with the meat tenderizer after he's very, very yeah. clearly fucking dead. That's yeah. funny because it's like, sure, go nuts, love. Keep keep going. So why slash how is she so good at killing everyone? Because she's was raised on a survivalist camp. I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realise that. I mean, I knew that fact in the back of my mind, but I didn't realise that meant you would just be so good at wailing on people. Like, is this her first rodeo? Is there going to be a prequel? I mean, I don't think so. There was meant to be a sequel and, and then a third one. 
which hasn't mm. happened. I mean, it ends like it's going to carry on from that moment onwards, yeah. doesn't it? It ends like, let's pick this up after the break kind of thing. Sad to hear that didn't happen. Yeah. I think I read an interview where Adam Wingard's talking about how the character wasn't meant to be Australian, but they were looking for someone who was going to be like a badass. I know that you don't mm-hmm. like the word badass, but he was looking for someone that was meant to be like an effortless badass. And all these people kept coming in in like clothes that they think a badass would wear. And she, Sarah and, Connor. Yeah. And she just comes in as her and is Australian and like sort of embodies a badass in air quotes. And he was like, the character wasn't meant to be Australian, but like, it just makes sense that that would, because everything in Australia sort of can kill you. Yeah, sure. So like, it just, it makes sense that she would be that extra little bit of capable because you're raised by survivalists in a country where the fucking, every bug is eating your head or whatever. Yeah, going to the toilet could be your your fucking, your final goodbye. Yeah. your last deposit. I think there's something to be said for that for sure. It introduces an interesting otherness. It separates her from everybody in the movie. You know, I think only in Hollywood could a cast be so fucking homogenous that it's actually genuinely hard to tell people apart. So maybe you need an Australian to be the fucking the one uh, or to have some kind of outstanding characteristic. I think it works. I think she's fucking great. Yeah. She is Australian, right? She's not doing some phenomenal accent. No, right? no, she is Australian. Well, there you go. And, um, well, pli- well played. I'm not going to do any more Australian than that. That was bad enough. <laughs> i tell you what nearly ruined this movie for me. Go on. Obviously, I saw the cover and that was all I saw. But it's been tainted for me. I was so fucking excited about the Pet Cemetery remake when that came out because I saw that the aesthetic was going to be really grim and dark and I saw it like Lithgow and a couple of other like semi-decent cast members and it was the most disappointing cinematic experience of my life. I walked out after about 20 minutes Mm. and I can probably name like two movies I've ever walked out of and all the press for that was those fucking masks, like those dumb animal masks and I saw this and part of me was like, oh, fuck off. I just don't find that scary and then I watched it and I was like, you took it back. I know this was before that, obviously, yeah. but like you, you just won. Like those masks are made to be genuinely menacing in this, which which is heartening because there's such fucking garbage and everything else. I think the masks are really fun as well, like the way that they're designed, and also the, the way that they yeah. used, like the the big hulking buff like guy. He's wearing mm. the lamb mask. Like the little wiry guy yeah. is wearing the wolf mask. Like mm-hmm. it's just, I think that's really cool. And like, yeah, it's very well done. Obviously, like the. The film that like this most recently calls to mind, I think, is The Strangers, which ah. which I like quite a lot, but like is people that absolutely c- couldn't or shouldn't survive getting absolutely mashed to bits. So like you're you're thinking about The Strangers, I think, when you're watching this because it was only a few years before this, and it's a yeah. it's a home invasion movie, and it hits a lot of the similar beats in the first part. Mm-hmm. And then flips that or subverts it or adds another dimension to it, which makes it more interesting than mm. just repeating that. I mean, I like I like the strangers and I like the just because you're home element of that. But obviously, I don't want to see that again. Yeah, there's something that I mean, that's like nihilistically terrifying, right? Yeah. This is a little bit more close to home. This is a very calculated scheming, yeah. out of control kind of violence that 
appeals a little bit more to me in terms of like a premise but i think yeah like you said i've got time for both yeah so the, the mask uh, yeah, the, the guy wears in that is so terrifying what is the mask in that? It's not springing to mind. It's it's just like a sack mask with like some dark strips on it. Oh yeah, fucking course it is. I mean, sack masks are fucking great, right? Yeah. One of my favorite things about you know Jason uh, Friday the Thirteenth Part Two is is the sack. I think it's fucking brilliant. And obviously that's well, not obviously is that stolen slash borrowed from the town that dreaded sundown or something else. Uh, I think it's. Um... It's certainly an homage to that. It's also the Elephant mm. Man and sure. a bunch of other stuff. Like, uh, obviously, Jason is the horror equivalent of the the Elephant Man, I guess. Yeah, but yeah, like I love I love a sack mask, and then the girl in the the Strangers wearing the sort of big eye anime cutie gal thing, which obviously is a nice juxtaposition to the character. But like, I think mm. the the masks in that are so iconic and scary that you couldn't just do that again you'd have to take it in a completely different direction and Mm. like the animal masks in this interview that i'd read with um with adam wingard he's talking about like how he wanted it to be something that these characters could have just gone and bought and they Mm. and they are very believable it's just like store masks definitely that's i was going to kind of ask you about that like there's obviously only so many masks in the world that you could conceivably and credibly used in horror movies right and surely we're getting to saturation point where every mask has been used in some kind of iconic way yeah but somehow for me the sack kind of transcends all that because it is fundamentally quite often so featureless and such a found object and such a symbol like it's always got so much baggage with it i want to shout out the sack like you said in our last episode nothing good has ever been in a sack but what about you know, what about other masks that kind of carry the torch that aren't one and done? Are there any like classic masks for you that you think are, are going to keep coming back? That's, that's an interesting question. I'll tell you the the opposite answer to that question. I fucking mm-hmm. hate the Michael Myers mask. Mm, okay, let's let's talk through this. <laughs> My first question is which one? Well, they're all meant to be the same mask, even though they're not fucking no chance yeah exactly so like the the halloween initial film mask and then Mm -hmm. to a lesser extent the the version that's in halloween 2018 those are okay i those can stay everything what about everything else looks fucking terrible i mean there are some unforgivable masks in this franchise like these movies should be laughed out of existence how the halloween 5 mask with the enormous wide neck and the stupid fucking eyebrows is punishable by death. Halloween 4 by far the worst, like an almost fully sculpted but completely featureless face with gigantic eyes, pathetic. Resurrection's terrible. I mean, there are so many. H2O shouldn't be allowed. Like, it should be illegal. There's so many shit masks. But we get, like you said, we get 2018... We get, what was, well, I can't remember when the other ones were, but the later ones I thought were really, really quite cool. And I think the original is is scary. I mean, I'll be amazed if people listening don't know a little bit about these masks, but originally a William Shatner mask just painted white with the hair slicked back. I do think the original one is terrifying in and out of context. I really like that mask. I, I can't see how you could be allowed to fuck it up for so many movies so badly. It's just like, are we supposed to believe that he's tinkering away sort of slightly changing his mask every yeah, every couple right. of years like what the fuck what are the you talking fuck? about 
I know. It's not... In those movies, it's not like it's weathering either. It's not like it does later on where it gets old and kind of perishes and has all the marks and battle scars. It's just shitter every time. It would be like bringing back the Xenomorph and just having it be like a fucking wobbly jelly creature. Like, they just take the scariest thing and ruin it. Yeah, It's unforgivable. I'm sorry I ranted about it. Clown masks suck. They're not classic or timeless. No, I think there's. I think there is a clown mask that can be scary, but I don't think. Mm. I don't think cinematically there's a mask that someone wears that's a clown mask that's scary. Yeah, I think I'm with you on that. Clown mask in Halloween. I like a lot of these um, fairly innocuous animal masks. I quite like a mask that isn't meant to be scary. Yeah, one of the scariest mask situations for me is at the end mm. of the Wicker Man. Oh God, yeah. Like they're that those fucking. Everything that well, those the, like those wooden fuck yeah, yeah. terrifying like kind of kind of handmade looking yeah sort of not made again not necessarily made to be scary made to be like real tributes to to the actual animals and the actual things they represent yeah, yeah pretty scary and then obviously Decker's mask in Nightbreed is terrifying we've talked at length about that before yeah that's good I again mm. I I still don't really buy the idea of being like I'm going to make myself a little mask. Yeah, I I mean I do and I don't. I think Corey Taylor's original mask in Slipknot is one of the scariest masks I've ever seen in my life. Mm. And I absolutely love I love everything about the Slipknot mythos, you know, when they first came out and there were nine guys in boiler suits who all created their own personas and made their own masks. They're some of the scariest masks I've ever seen in my fucking life yeah. in that band. Yeah, but they're not serial killers. So, like, the idea, yeah. I mean, as far as we know, but, like, the idea that, like, I don't know, I'm Michael Myers, I've just escaped from the the asylum, I've mm. put my recent driving lessons to the to the test by driving, you, you all, love the way, that shit. driving all the way to Haddonfield. <laughs> On the way, yeah. I'll stop off and buy a William Shatner mask and paint it white. I just don't see that happening. No, and that's what the Rob Zombie remakes tried to address, right, is is those gaps, mm. the, the gaps that fans were saying they didn't buy. I do buy the storyline of somebody who's going to commit some kind of crime spending time on their mask. I like that kind of premeditation. It adds a layer of really kind of sinister, psychotic behavior that, that tells me you're going to inflict some damage and you don't want to be found out and you want to scare people. Like, I kind of like that. I wish like, we got to see it more in films. I guess I could see in Nightbreed, like particularly Decker, like sitting down and creating that mask and thinking about what what he wants people to see, almost like Batman. Like yeah. Batman chooses bats because they, the thing that scare him the most, and so mm -hmm. it becomes monstrous. Like I guess that that does work. Just we never get to see it in a horror context. We very rarely get to see it in a way that's like you said that's convincing. I guess maybe there's a whole psychology there that I'm not maybe as you know as well versed on as as I'd like to be. But one thing I love, and I think this does the job perfectly, you know, in Donnie Darko, where we see Frank making his mask in that kind of cutaway flashback mm. scene that pans across his, that's perfect. You know, that's what, what I want from killers is that little bit of context about the mask, maybe. Yeah, I think that that would be plenty. Like, I think some of the best mask work in horror, obviously, is the Scream franchise. And it's because that mask mm. basically existed before Scream. And, like, you yeah. could just buy it in a shop. Anyone could buy it. So anyone could be the killer. Like That's a good point. I think it's just a really interesting and amazing way to add an extra level of or an extra layer of ambiguity about who the killer is when 
something is so freely available that literally anybody mm. could have bought it. And then that only gets yeah, more scary. and more after like the the in movie stab movies come out and there's all the in movie merchandise. Yeah, everyone in the movie theater is wearing it. That's yeah. yeah, next level. Do you like Jason's hockey mask? I do. The thing that I don't like about Jason's hockey mask is that you can't copyright or trademark hockey mask. So right. there are a million other shitty killers with shitty looking hockey masks. Yeah, that makes sense. My favorite Jason mask is the it's the Jason X metal nanobots mask. I fucking love it. Really? Yeah, I think it's fucking <laughs> I think it's brutal. I think it looks fucking great. It is cool as hell, yeah, you're right. Like Jason <laughs> Jason's hockey mask to me looks best when it's like sunk in and his skin is like growing around it. Like I don't want him to yeah. be wearing it. I want it to be his face. Like Jason goes to hell. Yeah, that exactly. Kind of, yeah, yeah. I, I think I'm a huge fan of Seven because it's all broken and you can see his jaw and his exposed teeth and it's starting to, because he's been underwater so long, it's all rotting around it. It's just getting to that point. That's when he gets really scary to me. Mm. But yeah, we'll do a whole Patreon episode on Jason eventually. eventually It'll be our fucking yeah. masterpiece. Yeah. So, but these masks, again, they are scary. And it's yeah, they work. It, it's it's sort of the scream thing that they just look like they could have been bought by anyone. They could be like kit for kids to wear in a nativity. They're so yeah mild. They're like milky kind of semi formless ghostly animal masks. They work. Re- they're really well lit in this as well. Yeah. They look. There's just a texture to them and a, a use of shadow that makes them not like oh great a fucking mask. That just makes them genuinely carry you know a, a sinister um, kind of menace that that is elevated in terms of you know use of masks as far as i'm concerned very cool clever mask work and i love a mask with a hoodie just looks fucking sketchy as hell yeah it really does if you see someone wearing a mask and a hoodie in real life mm-hmm. i would cross so many motorways to get away from that person yep. i'm not hanging with you bud <laughs> yeah <laughs> like I'll cross the road if I see another person anyway. So if if <laughs> yeah, same if they're wearing a mask and a hoodie, absolutely nobody nobody wearing a mask and a hoodie is gonna give you a pound. Like it's <laughs> Do you know what I mean? No. <laughs> I've never worn a mask and a hoodie and had a night that didn't involve violence. Look at it that yeah. way. Rough, rough hangs. So why don't we why don't we start wrapping up our thoughts about this movie here? Because uh, you know, it's great, but at some point, people have got to go to bed. It's true. Come on, man. Does that thing even work? No. There's nothing out there. It's just dead air. So, this film sort of lumps itself in with the bullshit fucking nonsense subgenre that calls itself Mumblecore. What the fuck is that? Well, do you remember there was Mumblecore? That was like a thing. Yeah. Where they, they, they invented a new name for low-budget films, and it was called Mumblecore. Yeah. Well, because some of the, the filmmakers that were involved in Mumblecore are involved in this, and a number of other horror films, they, they called those horror films, the subgenre of those horror films, that they, that they or the, the phrase that they coined to name those horror films was Mumblecore. Okay. But, like, the point of Mumblecore is that it's all about the dialogue, and the dialogue is what propels the story forward rather than 
actions or character moments or things people doing things and sure besides like the the obvious thing that happens at the end of this when you find out that felix is has hired these people to kill his family for the inheritance mm. and that one scene early on when you get to sort of have a bit of an insight into people's characters there's basically no dialogue in between mm, okay so like how could that possibly be anywhere remotely related to mumblecore so why does it happen why is it lumped in like that because the because some of the filmmakers joe swanston he plays Drake. people yeah i i would say it's the opposite of mumblecore in that the the actions that happen are the thing that drive the plot forward right so and it's nothing to do with who the characters are apart from the thing that we find out later on when it, we find out that Felix is the killer. So it's almost like shouty gore. It's not mumble gore. Shouty gore. <laughs> like the, the gore is, is the is the driving factor. The gore is the thing sure. doing all of the talking. So And it's the action that leads to the gore, right? Yeah. It's gory gore. It's gory gore. Action gore. Gorkshin. Is did you feel like this movie was a rental classic? Because I I was immediately like, right, this is a this is a rental popcorn, have a blast with your buds movie. But it was a little bit above that for me almost. Yeah, I would say so. I think I could really picture myself, obviously it was I was well beyond the rental days when by the time this actually came out, but mm. I could really picture myself picking this up, uh, taking it home, giving it a shot and, and absolutely loving it when I was mm. in those those rental halcyon days. But, Back in the gory days. Yeah. I mean, also, we're, we're, we we get a little bit of that Carpenter synth back, which we've not had for a while. And that yeah. doesn't definitely doesn't hurt the old video rental vibe, does it? No. And it slams. It's, you know, it's happening. you got to put it in its time, right? You said 2020, 2013 it came out in the UK, right? Yeah. Shit's getting synthy, but it's not tired yet at all. No. It's it, and it's great. It's used sparingly. It's well placed. It's used really jarringly at times in all the right ways. I thought there was some great music in this. Yeah, I really like obviously not carbon to synth, but I really like how that one song just plays basically on repeat, just to give you a sense of familiar familiarity, but also to like fucking trip you up because you know that it's just ominous that you're just hearing this one song over and over and over mm -hmm. again, which. I don't know if you've watched True Detective yet. I've watched one episode. Well, yeah, me too, because that's all that's out. But there's there's a, there's right. a scene in that where they're, they're, they're using that similarly, mm -hmm. and it's great. Yeah, I think it's, it's again, it, it could be terrible, and they do it perfectly. Yeah. There's a lot of that in this movie. I think it's a real risk to put out a slasher home invasion movie with some synth on the soundtrack, with an, a relatively unknown but kind of ensemble -y cast and a twist, and not fuck it completely beyond recognition. Yeah. And it, it takes that really simple premise and does something with it that, that feels original, feels bizarrely comforting, is quite warm, is super graphic and violent, and the payoff is superb. I walked away from this like, wow, that's exactly what I needed. I agree. There's loads of fun. It's really funny. Plays with some Home Alone stuff like we talked about at the, at the, at the jump. I do feel a bit shortchanged by the, by the sledgehammer. But, yeah. you know, can't win them all. I would absolutely recommend your next to basically anyone. I was sort of worried because I, I don't think I'd seen it. I think I might have only seen it once before. Mm. And I was sort of worried that it wasn't going to hold up and it was going to be a film from the early 2010s. 
you know you know what i mean like mm -hmm. just like a film that you thought was good at the time and then you go back like all those films from the mid 2000s yeah and you go back and you look at them and you're like okay i mean i must have liked this for a reason but with this yeah. i genuinely liked it i love how it plays with the slasher tropes i love how it messes with the the final girl stuff i love how they really nail that on as well by like talking about how she was just meant to be there as like an innocent witness and how yeah like the, the film basically or the characters within the film basically don't see her having any agency or any yeah. any value to bring like they thought that she would be completely passive in this situation it's so good how little he knows about her at the end there he's yeah. like oh thank god you made it <laughs> she fucking <laughs> killed everyone yeah it's great that she's so underestimated and ultimately so so powerful that's very yeah. fun and like the performances, apart from that one sort of scene at the beginning, which I, I do really enjoy, but I think the, the dialogue just feels a little bit stilted maybe. Yeah. But for the most part, they're really good. That scene at the end where AJ Bowen's character comes back and they're having mm -hmm. that sort of dialogue and he's like, we can get through this, baby, or whatever. Yeah. It's just like fucking, I mean, it's hilarious and it's funny and she stabs him in the neck and that's the perfect <laughs> perfect thing to do in that situation a hundred percent agree i think this this to me is the kind of movie that i would recommend someone who is maybe a bit like oh i do like horror but i don't like nothing too scary and i like thrillers and i like kind of modern horror stuff i would send them straight to this movie because i think it would it would be a catalyst for you to look into lots more stuff that maybe influenced this and that this influenced I think it's a great gateway movie. It's fairly inoffensive in terms of the stuff that we cover, but it's good. It's graphic, it's scary, and it's funny. I'm going to give it four sledgehammers to the moustache out of five. Nice. I think I'm going to give it eight uh, arrows to the throat out of Oof. nine. Some good arrows to the throat. Five blended brains out of six. Oh, it's just, it's really funny. Yeah, it's, it's really funny and it's really good. If you've got any more like funny, scary movies out there, people, that are genuinely funny and genuinely scary, let me know because it's pretty rare, in my opinion, that you get that that mix right. Well, if you don't like Brain Dead slash Dead Alive, mm. then I feel like the, these people don't have anything to offer you. Could be, but because I still that is set the challenge. fucking hilarious. Yeah, fuck me though, dude. Is it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. Oh, God, it's going on the list, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I sort of held it off the list because I thought it was too, not mainstream, maybe too well-known. Well, I'll tell you what, we'll do a trade-off. If we do Dead Alive, parentheses, brain dead, can we do The Town That Dreaded Sundown? That's already on the list. Fuck, I blew my wad, my only bargaining chip. Because <laughs> I haven't seen that and I would really like to. Listen, what a romp. You're next. Highly recommend it good times for all it's not a silly goose fun time but it's also not completely terrifying it straddles your sensibilities really well and rides you to completion i think it's a serious duck fun time that's pretty good serious duck yeah yeah it's yeah. a serious duck fun time do you know what else is a serious duck fun time sam recommending this podcast to your friends uh sure yeah I think that's... Following us on Instagram at FT Horror Show. And if you so choose to live your life in that such way, FT Horror Show on TikTok. And also FT Horror Show on Twitter, Sam. Don't forget. Holy cow, on X. We, we, we don't say that letter. What about threads? 
we don't have a thread as of yet. But Good. maybe we do by the time this is released. Fuck Who it, knows? maybe we do. Follow us on all of those platforms or your next. And I would also highly recommend that you have a little look at our Patreon. I'm not going to hard sell you. I'm your friend. I'm your buddy. Go over to the Patreon. Browse. Browse around. If you don't spend any money, that's fine. If you do, that's better. I'm bad cop, and I'm saying that you have to give us your fucking money right now. Don't make me turn you upside down and jiggle those fucking pennies out of those tight jeans pockets. You don't want to get cavity searched by this bad cop. Doesn't bring me any joy to be so nasty to you. But if you don't give me your money, I will have to do something that we will both regret. I take that. I can see the look on his face, people. He's fucking serious. And that applies to rating and reviewing this podcast using your thumbs right now, too. If you don't do that, woof. I don't want to fucking be in your shoes, kid. Yeah, those thumbs are going somewhere unpleasant for both of us. (laughs) <laughs> uh, I wonder how many other podcasts essentially threaten to jam their listeners' thumbs up their butts when asking them for their continued loyalty. Thank you for listening to Final Transmission. We do really like you. So do all those things, or don't. Whatever. It's up to you. You're your yeah. own boss, or you're not, but in this element of your life, you have some control. Anyway, thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, yeah, we, we appreciate it. It's been good. Yeah. This has been Final Transmission. I've been Sam. I've been angry for a bit <laughs> because you haven't signed up to the Patreon yet, but I'll get over it. 